ghouls. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Tonight we have a special episode. Yeah. We do. It's just the same thing we do every week, but it's a different topic. Very special. <laughs> I got, I got a lot of business, one. okay? I got to put it out on the table for you guys. First uh, off, I slept for one whole hour and a half last night because Poppy whew. is possessed, right? Sick. So the last, uh, like, three or four nights, she's been waking up at, like, 3 a.m., staring in the corner and what? freaking us out. And then she won't go back to sleep, and she's jumping in the bed, and she's, like, shaking and shivering, and she's all scared. I don't know what's happening with her, but last night I slept for a whole hour and a half. So if I sound wild as hell... That's why. You seem pretty tame. I'm proud of you. <laughs> you know, I have been feeling uh, pretty hazy in the mind all day, but I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad I'm okay. But speaking of pets, I did something crazy today. I started a little pet photo thread in the Facebook group, the Ghouls Facebook group, <gasps> and it is popping off. Let me tell you, there are pets in costumes galore. Oh my God. Oh, my goodness. It's, I wish I was on the Facebook. It's pretty Am good. Am I about to reactivate to see this thread? Honestly, thread? it might be worth it just to see all the cute pets. Or I can just send them to y'all. But true. for anyone who's not in the Facebook group, you got to go find it and join because we're having a freaking party. Sounds like it. It is. And speaking of parties... Our patron Zoom hangout. <laughs> We're going to do it in October. Wow. Costume party. Oh my goodness. Gotta I mean, figure this out. It's freaking official. I know we said it, but we're going to do it. I'm really excited. I just got to figure out what I'm going to wear. Who I'm going to I mean, be. it doesn't have to be, you know, honestly, for all I care, put a cap on. That's your costume. No, oh, just a cap. Put a cap. No. no, just do something different. Dare to if be different. This diff. is a party. This is a party. I'm going to come correct or not come at all. All right. I respect Going right. Come on, come on. I don't know what my costume will be either, but I'll um I'll figure something figure <laughs> I'll figure something out for you guys. But in return, I need something from the people. I ne- we need stories for ghoul talk. Okay? Send them to the golden ghouls podcast at gmail.com. All your spooky stuff, all your Halloween stories. We want to hear them. We want to know about it. Okay? <laughs> and with that said, that's the business I had to get to. Before I forgot. Great Thank you. Thank you. And uh, like I say every week, we're the Golden Ghouls. Alyssa. Kylie. Emily. And it's time to get spooky. Ooh. I have a small shout out. I just <gasps> want to say hi. I want to say hey to my girl, Lahaya. Lahaya. Hey, what's up? Yeah. Oh. This is a special friend because <gasps> I happen to work with her husband. Wow. And long story short, she was cooking. She was listening to us. Such an honor, by the way. And her husband was like, that That sounds like someone I work with. <laughs> he, ch- he checked with me and I was like, that's us. That is So I just su- want to say what a thank you. Small world. Small right? world. I know. I love it. Very small world. 
I, I want to send, right? We need to send her some stickers for we sure. Need to. So Most definitely hit us up with that address. Yeah. We're okay. going to send you something special. Oh, <laughs> speaking of addresses, um, if you write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen, and then you DM us a screenshot and your address, we will send you a sticker. So you're supporting us. And you're supporting USPS because we bought spooky stamps. And everyone is happy. Mm-hmm. You know? Truly. Lovely. Yeah. So. I'm down. I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's good stuff. I think people will like it. Absolutely. And also, if you had already sent a review and you didn't receive your stickers, it's because there have been some USPS snafus. I promise I sent them. So if that's the case, just let me know because I'll send you another one. I'm not afraid to do that. It's hard out there in just the male world. Thinking I'm I'm a faker or a liar. Or no, a fraud, you're not. You know, I you're send not. the stickers. I just know that sometimes mail has been going missing. It's the <laughs> truth, dude. I work. You know, I work around it and I see it every day. Yep, she sees it every day. It's hard out there for an envelope. <laughs> yep. My clients at work, they're saying, where's the package? And I said, says it was delivered. You telling me it's not, Sharon? Nope. And they said it's not. And I believe them. Because this is happening. So For the snails delivering the mail, it's it's trying and drying times. Yes, it's quite dry. There's a lot of salt out there. Truly. Truly. Yeah. Should we get started? Let's do it. I'm actually very excited. I'm very Very excited, excited too, because I know what Kylie's story is going to be, but because my uh, reading device is going to uh, perish soon, the battery is low, I'm going to kick it off. And I'm just going to say this week, we're heading to Pennsylvania and it's going to get spooky. But while we're on the topic, Mm -hmm. I recently started following this Instagram and I just realized that their bakery is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And their Instagram handle is at vegan treats. And right now they've been posting the most gorgeous Halloween treats. And they have a special seasonal chocolate box that looks like a Ouija board. And all the little chocolates are like Halloween themed. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. And so if you have a special spooky someone in your life, you should totally buy them that chocolate box because it's beautiful um so fun i want to eat one right now it's it's truly beautiful but yeah what are the odds they're in pennsylvania so check them out or you can order them on their website just go to the their gram and they got the link in the bio but it's beautiful had to tell you guys because i knew that people would appreciate it support small businesses support businesses but yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kick this kick this show off with the Dobbin House Tavern in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. A classic. All right, mm. so I'm gonna be upfront with y'all and say that I originally picked this spot because on the list of haunted places that I was looking at, they had chosen this really goofy font, and I thought it was called Ubin House. <laughs> Because the D looked like an O, because it was uh, kind of this like comic-y, like squiggly font. 
Uh-huh. So I thought okay. it was the Ubin house and I thought it spoke to me. It made mm-hmm. me giggle. But then I found out it was the Dobbin house. But then I did research and I was like, no, this place is actually fucking cool. So I'm going to tell the people about it. Sweet. All right. So their website, <laughs> they were a little cheeky and I pulled this part directly from them. This quote. Four score and seven years before President Lincoln delivered his famed Gettysburg address. Address. <laughs> wow. Yes. Wow. Uh, I made that my epitaph. Oh, a yes. classic. In lesser a words. Classic than, Gettysburg. Yes. But in uh, fewer words, in my words, they they established this place in 1776. That's what they're trying to say. Uh, Gettysburg's oldest and most historic building, the Dobbin House, it was built then. Ubin. It's actually, Ubin, yeah. It's actually the oldest standing structure in the town limits of old Gberg. Wow. Is that what the locals call it? Because I'm calling it Gberg. <laughs> but anyway, can you believe that? So it's like freaking ancient. So this gentleman, Reverend Alexander Dobbin, he built the house. He was an early frontier pioneer, and he helped settle and civilize the area. Mm. So old Dobbin himself was actually born in Ireland in 1742. And uh, there he grew to be highly respected by his peers. He was a minister, and then he ended up playing a major role in founding Gettysburg. So after studying in Ireland, Dobbin and his lady, Isabella Gamble, don't I know her, set sail for a new life and what they liked to call the new world, a.k.a. here. And don't they wish they could see it now? (laughs) So shortly after his arrival in America, he became a pastor of the Rock Creek Presbyterian Church. Uh, it was located one mile north of what is now Gettysburg. So this is around 1774, and he purchased 300 acres of land in and around what is now Gberg. And he started construction on this farm and what is today the Dobbin House. Yeah. They used it as their family home, and as a classical school. So today it would be the equivalent of like a a theological seminary and a liberal Mm. arts college. Okay, a nice mix. Yeah. So it was actually the first of its kind in America, west of the Susquehanna River, which was a pretty big deal at the time. (laughs) So one of the only ones, pretty Pretty sick little school he had made for himself. Nice. But uh, he needed this big-ass house for his school and his family because his wife gave him 10 whole-ass babies. Oh, Dobby boy. She passed away at an early age (laughs) from all this childbirth. Would you believe Wow. He wasted no time, though. He remarried a widow named Mary Agnew. And she already had nine kids of her own. No, nineteen. They were were the original nineteen kids and counting. Yes, that's what I'm getting at here. Mg. Yeah. Now I don't know that they had any additional kids together, but they had this school, so they had more kids coming in. So, dude, they they established a whole school ground with their nineteen kids. Yeah, they could have 
freaking filled out the school's population with their own breed. Dobby Elementary. Breed. (laughs) Their own brood. (laughs) Wow. Words are hard. But uh, old Dobbin, he worked real hard and uh, helped to establish Adams County in 1800, which was originally part of the neighboring county of York. So he's just like got his hands in everything. He's establishing stuff left and right. So many hats. (laughs) So many hats. Yeah, he he wears all of the hats. Mm. Yes. He looks good in them, too. He's a good guy, and we're going to get there. You guys are going to love what he was up to. So from (laughs) then on, he was one one of two appointed commissioners to actually choose Gettysburg as the new county seat. This guy was a big deal. But in the mid-1800s, this secret crawl space that he had served as a station for hiding runaway slaves on their journey to freedom on the Underground Railroad. He was a whole abolitionist, and he was helping the people, and we love him for that. We love to hear it. Good old Dobby boy. Yeah, good old Dobby. I love him. He, He was a man of faith, and he was helping the people. So after the Battle of Gettysburg ceased and the armies had departed, he used that space as um, a little hospital for wounded soldiers who were left from the war. So he was just like doing good things all around. Yeah. And he didn't even care who they were. He helped folks from the North and from the South. Oh, God. What a... Dobby. He didn't judge. Wow. So this house, it's virtually the same as it was 200 years ago. It's got the original stone walls, seven fireplaces for burning all the things you need to burn, hand-carved woodwork, and it's all been, like, restored to its original beauty. They did not mess around when they restored this place. It truly looks like it did back then. Many of the home's antique furnishings are actually identical to those that were listed in the inventory of the Dobbins estate. So they even had some of the items like recreated, which is pretty cool. We love what they're up to. Mm-hmm. So Olsen's dirt already spooky in itself. But what makes it truly spooky? For starters, Dobbin himself is said to still reside in the home. Thank God. Thank God he's still there helping people. So, people have seen his full-body apparition on numerous occasions. A lot of times, they see him smoking a cigar. So, he's just, you know, kicking up his feet, taking a load off, smoking his cigar. And then people will actually smell cigar smoke wafting through the house, but no one is there. And, you know, in this historic home, obviously, no smoking is allowed, so... It's got to be old Dobbin smoking his smoking his thangs, as the people say. He's not the only one, though. Apparitions of slaves have been seen in the home, especially in that little hiding space that the Dobbins helped them escape through. So staff mm-hmm. and visitors have, on numerous occasions, seen a figure kind of huddled in the corner of that little space. They blink. And the figure will just disappear right before their eyes. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's also said 
And this makes sense that soldiers haunt the home. So apparitions of men in uniform have appeared to employees and guests and reports. Now, this is the spookiest one. Reports of mysterious pools of blood have been seen on the floor. And when someone, you know, walks away to get some cleaning supplies, they come back and it has completely disappeared. A whole pile of blood come and gone. Mm. Mm, Delicious. Mm -hmm. Uh, For, you know, not as, not as tangible things. Uh, People have seen blue orbs on occasion. They've heard some phantom footsteps, extreme cold spots. And this one, this one's a little tricky. There is a spirit who likes to light fires in those seven fireplaces. So this sounds dangerous to me. Sounds dangerous, but isn't it cute? Isn't it cute? Yeah. So he's like a... But they're like a pyromaniac ghost. Yes, Do you exactly. think? At least he's doing it in fireplaces, y'all. Yeah, he's at least like, he's true, not setting true. it on the floor. He's like, yeah. let's 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 have a you know a book by the by the fire. Yeah, let me bring Maybe you a blanket cold. and a s'more. Yeah. S'more. Oh man, I, I want think a you're s'more. right. I want a s'more. I will say this. So one of our lovely listeners. And let the truth is a friend, Joey, hmm. posted some photos today from a camping excursion. And there was a photo of a s'more. And um, I want Divine. one real bad. I want yeah. one real bad. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of food, it's a restaurant today. Yeah, delicious. And the always lovely Spook Eats, who you can find at spookeats.com and on Instagram. I believe her handle is the same on there. But um, I've been following her for a while because she visits haunted places, specifically restaurants, and rates like the spooky atmosphere and how food, how the food is, which is That's like a dream job. two of my passions. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so she calls it the spooky rating and the yummy rating. So I'm going to just share word for word what she said on her website. So spooky rating, she gave it a 5 out of 10. She says, The historical integrity of this inn and restaurant is incredible. It feels like you've fallen through time as you walk through the door. However, there isn't really an emphasis on the spooks of the inn. If you ask the staff, they'll talk about the ghosts of not only the Dobbin House, but Gettysburg in general. You just have to go out of your way to try to hear the ghost stories. However, the Dobbin House is a stop on many ghost tours, so you'll definitely hear about the spooky history while you visit Gettysburg. And I did see photos where people have been on tours there. They've captured uh, some apparitions, some orbs Mm. on camera. So it is legitimate, but it's just not as forthcoming with the spooks. Uh, Their website doesn't say anything about being haunted, but they'll talk about it. Yummy rating. She gave it a whole 7 out of 10. So they're doing pretty good there. She says, The dining experience is always a good time at the Dobbin House. If you can get into the bedroom dining room, you can eat in a historically accurate four-poster canopy bed. Definitely request it. And there's always a performer wandering the tables, playing on his mandolin. The food, however, is hit or miss. But she did say it was yummy. I don't know. 
You can I found eat the trio of lamb chops to be underwhelming. I'm a lamb snob. Ah, okay. I've never had lamb in my life, and I never will, but I, I couldn't tell you what that's about. She goes on to say, however, my husband got the crab meat a la Dobbin, and it was delicious. The prices are rather high here, so be prepared to drop a pretty penny for this dining experience. So there I have a you question. Have are there blankets? And can you go under the covers, like take your shoes off, get comfy in bed? That's or, what I want to know. What is this or are you just, like, situation? Sitting, are you sitting atop? I also want to know what the bed. the bed dining situation is. I need to look up photos. If I can okay. find a photo, I will share it on the gram. Because Beautiful. I also wanted to know, what does it look like to dine in a four-poster bed? Right. That's all I wanted. Where, oh. like, where do you, do you put your, do you balance your wine glasses on the mattress? Uh, yeah, I do don't know. Do they bring trays? That's, like, bed oh my trays. Gosh. Yeah, I'm imagining, like, <laughs> <Bed> us, <laughs> us and some other person sitting in the bed, like, Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm, exactly. And the, the the grandparents in the bed. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm imagining. Oh, that's fantastic. Let's definitely go there. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll just hop over to Pennsylvania real quick to the Dobbin house and, and dine in the bed. Yeah. So yeah, there you have it. Spooky and yummy. Spooky Honestly, and yummy. I am willing to drive down Pennsylvania. I've driven to Ohio before and, and drove through Pennsylvania. So I would do it again, especially after reading about this next spot. Um, I mean, we, if you know, you know, most of us have heard of this place. It's super famous in the paranormal world and just within history. It's the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. It's a big like, one. It's, it's a, a big, big boy. And Alyssa was saying, she's like, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this before. And we may even do an entire episode based on on this. It, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah. there are so many, so many stories. And we can, we can go really deep with the history if we want. But I'm going to give you a little sneak preak. Sneak preak. Sneak preak <laughs> today. So it's in Philadelphia, as I may have mentioned before. And from the penitentiary's website, and yes, it, the penitentiary itself, it has hands and a computer to type on. So it, it wrote this about itself. Eastern State Penitentiary was once the most famous and expensive prison in the world. But today stands in ruin, a haunting world of crumbling cell blocks and empty guard towers. Its vaulted skylit cells once held many of America's most notorious lawbreakers, including bank robber Slick Willie, Sutton, and Scarface Al Capone. Wow. So it's it's a pretty big deal. And we're going to call it by its nickname ESP because that's what the cool kids do. Oh. So ESP has a 140-plus year history full of disease, murder, madness, suicides, you name it, and most importantly, torture. So it makes sense that this place is haunted. It opened in 1829, and it was inspired. It has some uh, religious influences, um, possibly Quaker, as Benjamin Franklin. um, the, The actual idea and the plan of the prison was discussed at Benjamin Franklin's house in 1787. 
and rumor has it he was a Quaker. Um, but the the idea of this being a penitentiary, it was designed to basically rehabilitate rather than punish. So this is the the idea. The the this is the goal at first, and it was built to resemble a church. So before before this. Having prisons built like churches wasn't very well known, at least in the United States. So it was built to resemble a church. It's the prison cells each contained a Bible and a skylight to basically represent the eye of God. And the prison was also the first to use solitary confinement um, as the reformists and those planning um, the prison. They felt like isolation would lead to reflection and ultimately penitence, hence the name penitentiary. Um, So a very famous architect, John Haviland, was chosen to design the building. He was from England, and he found most of his inspiration for the penitentiary from prisons and asylums built in the 1780s in England and Ireland. And so this prison has like a very neo-Gothic look, basically to scare people who may be living a life of crime. So it was like, you know, you, you better not commit a crime or you're going to end up at this scary-ass place. So Hevelin created the design for the penitentiary, um, the actual layout of the prison, which is known now as the hub-and-spoke plan, or some people say it's like a, a wheel layout, which many prisons all over the world adopted after. So this layout consists of an octagonal center, And it's connected by corridors to seven-story cell blocks, each containing large single cells. So there's hot water, heating, a water tap, a toilet, and individual exercise yards, the same width as the cell. So if you picture like a wheel, everything, the prisoners kind of like are around a circle and then everything in the middle is centered. There's also the last cell, Cell block 15 was built, it was called death row, um, but there was actually no one put to death at this penitentiary. Many, many have died, had died there, but no one was actually put to death um, due to crime or as a punishment. So I mentioned before, notorious criminals such as Al Capone, uh, he was hanging out there, so good old Scarface, he was arrested outside of Philadelphia Movie Theater in May of 1929 for carrying a concealed, unlicensed 38 caliber revolver, classic him, and was handed a one-year sentence. So he served like eight months at ESP, and he was given a, a very opulent cell, uh, and there were elegant flourishes, so like a radio. He got a desk. Uh, there was artwork. It, it had like a certain ambiance that reflected like a a uh, more expensive home during this time. So uh, this is actually part of an exhibit that you can go see today. It's since been renovated, um, and some of the original furniture is still there. So that's a fun fact. So over time, ESB became known for its individual treatment system. So as I mentioned, you know, separate cells, there was a lot of emphasis and effort to prevent communication between prisoners. They were made to wear these burlap sacks or masks when commuting within the prison, so to not communicate with others, which is kind of sad. Um, 
if the prisoners were caught communicating, they'd be punished in very cruel ways. So this was not the original intention of, you know, rehabilitation for these people, but this is what ended up happening. So there, here are some examples of the basically torture. There was a water bath. So inmates were dunked and then hung out on a wall in the middle of winter until ice formed on their skin. What? Like, why? That's horrible. That's awful. Yeah. There was also a mad chair, which bound an inmate so tightly that circulation was cut off, and it would lead to actual amputations. Good like, God. It, like, the intention was an amputation, which is <sighs> disgusting for someone to want to bring that on a human. The iron gag in which an inmate's hands were tied behind their back and then strapped to an iron collar in the mouth so that any movement caused by the tongue would, or sorry, any movement would cause the tongue to like rip and bleed. (gasps) Yeah. And then there was the hole, which was a very gross, unfurnished, unheated underground cell. Um, where there was no light, no human contact, no exercise, no toilet, no food, and really no, like, fresh air. So it was solitary confinement, which would Ugh. drive inmates insane. And we know yep. even to this day that that's, like, a very severe form of punishment. So let's get to the good stuff, the spooky stuff. There have been hundreds of paranormal investiga- investigators, you know, individuals, there's small teams, large, famous teams, such as TAPS. Um, Ghost Hunters have an episode here, Ghost Adventures, uh, MTV's Fear, if you remember that show, BuzzFeed Unsolved, which was new yeah. to me. <laughs> any any investigator who's anybody has been here. Yeah, exactly. And I do remember reading, or not reading, um, watching the, the Ghost Hunters episode like a very, very long time ago. Um, and I, and I was reading the synopsis today, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to rewatch the episode. And, you know, with the show, it's, it can be cheesy and, and whatnot. But the more you watch the show, the more you can tell, like, what things are legit and what might be, like, a little produced. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this just seemed very legit. <laughs> um, so just, like, a quick review on the episode because it it's, it's a good one. Um, they visit Cell Block 4, which is Al Capone's lavish cell and so you get to see that um and the program manager at the time details you know having heard ghostly footsteps when he was alone um people or visitors have reported seeing like a shadow come out of cell block number 12 on this on the second floor and it wouldn't the shadow wouldn't just like appear and disappear it would appear and walk and just stand there where you could just you could see them you could, or you could see the shadow just standing there, like very, a little too human <laughs> for for comfort. Then the, um, what else happened? Oh, the, the EVPs were, were going well. They caught some, some wild stuff. Um, and then back at the TAPS headquarters, some, they had some footage of Cell Block 12 showing the actual moving shadow. Um, and it corresponded with a story of a ghost prisoner in the corridor. And so Steve from, you know, from Ghost Hunters, he initially says like, oh, it looks, 
like something is crawling to the camera before standing up. But then Grant is saying that something is kind of like forming rather than like standing up and then bolting down the hallway. Yeah. So you can see in the episode, you can see what they're talking about. And it's, it gave me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Cause this, I, like, you know, you oh. can't just create this. This isn't editing. Like this is real. <laughs> no, I, I remember this episode and it is honestly chilling. And, um, I really like ghost hunters because they do a lot of like debunking of things. I do mm-hmm, feel like they absolutely. are like of the shows out there. They are the more realistic ones where they're like, you know, I, I think this is weird, but it could also be this thing. So like mm-hmm. they're very like they're realistic they about it. Yeah. yeah. They <laughs> they also like go from a more scientific standpoint in some aspects and yeah, but that's yeah. a it's a really good episode. I'm trying to see if we're able to see which missy was see- yep, season one, episode five, if anyone's interested. Yeah. Wow, it was aired in two thousand four. Yeah. That was a long time ago. <laughs> but still good. It still holds it's, up. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> and so NPR. We love NPR. Support NPR wrote a <laughs> fabulous article on ESP and similar stories of paranormal activities tracing back to the 1940s. What's weird to me is that before there weren't really any stories before the forties, but that could just be, you know, lack of reporting, lack Mm -hmm. of recording these things. I, you know, there's, there's an always, there's always a question of, you know, maybe it did exist. We just, we don't know about it. We didn't hear about it, but it's just, it's good to note that there were no, recorded stories until the 1940s. So I'm not sure if maybe something happened, maybe some type of renovation or mm. there was a bit of like a paranormal boom in the 40s. So yeah. maybe like the actual like belief or more of wanting an understanding of it had people talking about paranormal activity a little bit more. Yeah. Who's to say? I wasn't alive then. She wasn't. Uh-huh. She wasn't. So they were uh, NPR, back to NPR. They were writing about all of the the most common spots here. So if you go, make sure you visit these spots. Cell Block 12 is known specifically for echoing voices and cackling. Ew. So some not not cute giggles. (laughs) Not cute giggles, folks, but cackling. So like when I laugh. I always (laughs) say like if something is insanely funny to me, I will say I'm cackling because that's like the the ugliest thing you could do. Yes. Is cackle. (laughs) I cackle. <laughs> Cell block six is known for shadowy figures darting along the walls. Uh-uh. <laughs> just darting, just doing a little dance. Classic. Cell block four is known for visions of ghostly faces. And many people have reported seeing a silhouette of a guard in one of the towers. Um, of course, people have heard footsteps, um, a lot of like heavy boots sounds which makes me either think of the guards yeah that's or the inmates themselves um especially i I don't know if they had um like what type of footwear they had but they didn't always wear the the sandals i know that yeah they didn't always wear the (laughs) flip-flops the crocs um wailing so very sad wails probably from Uh, being tortured yep whispers of course but these stories these reports have been heard over and over and over again throughout the decades. 
So you gotta you gotta wonder. You're like, all right, maybe it is true. Oh. One of the most legendary tales, and this is also from the NPR article, um, comes from Gary Johnson, who he works. He's like a maintenance worker at the um, at the prison, and he helps maintain the the crumbling old locks. <laughs> so there's some imagery for you. <laughs> so in the early 1990s, Gary had opened an old lock in cell block four, where he says a force throws him in place. Wow. He felt, yeah, he like he felt like consumed by something and he couldn't move. And he felt this negative, horrible energy from the cell or coming out from the cell. And he looked up and saw tormented faces appearing <gasps> on the cell walls. And one specifically was like beckoning to him. Yeah. Like, what? No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. So I would honestly would drive to come here. I would drive to, to Philadelphia to go here. Um, today, the ESB holds very organized and educational tours and is basically, you know, a museum at this point. There's um, the dioramas uh, explaining the layout and the different cells. Um, admission includes the Voices of Eastern State audio tour, which is, are you ready for this, y'all? Narrated by Steve Buscemi. Oh, my oh, God. Good. I love that. Like, <laughs> if you need another reason to go. All right. Let it be Steve Buscemi narrating this audio tour. <laughs> I want to know how that came about. Like, is Steve a fan of the paranormal? Is he from Philly? I feel like he was really big in the 2000s. And so maybe that's he's, and that's so when, big. like, the audio museum, like, hit its peak. And they were like, Steve, we got to do this your voice. Yeah. That's just my thought. Yeah, what a that's guy. That's a very good hypothesis. Steve, I know you're listening. Was that What's it? What's the deal? <laughs> what if Steve is our biggest fan? <laughs> there are also award-winning exhibits on mass incarceration in general. So you get a lot of history on prisons. Um, the There's also, which is cool, very cool to me, there's like a critically acclaimed series of artist installations there. Ooh. So... I don't know. I, and I was, I was looking up a few that had been there in the past and they're all, you know, prison related, but it's, I think it's amazing what this penitentiary has become and how it's history is being preserved and honored in such a way. Um, also here, here's another very exciting, I feel like I'm like, where I work for them. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> honestly, like, I think this is why it is such like peak, paranormal investigation like location is that mm -hmm. the the people who have kept it up and work there care about it so much and they like yes. have done so much to preserve its history that like it also makes it really easier for researchers to learn about it and kind of figure true. out like why things are happening the way that they are so it's just very like, true there's so much activity there's so much to support like what you're finding and then there are so many people who actually work there and have like done so much research who want to help you like mm -hmm. find out more about the it's just like it's yeah. a really it's this really cool cycle of just like they all give a shit about that place very true and mm -hmm. it's it's i mean it's 
nail gothic. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's goals. <laughs> There's also a haunted house each fall. Yeah. I think there are like numerous haunted houses within the ESP. And so there's Terror Behind the Walls, which is, it has like six Hollywood scale sets and like up to 200 actors, <laughs> which is so cool. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, the Terror Behind the Walls, it has been you know, suspended this year due to COVID. Mm-hmm. But you can still, I'm pretty sure you can still go to, um, yeah, you can still go see the museum. There are small scale night tours. You just need to make reservations. So, y'all, if you live in in Pennsylvania, anywhere near, anywhere near, go. You this gotta is go. The spot. Yeah, we got to We got to get there. Facetime me. Go and Facetime me the whole time. Kylie is like their <laughs> biggest fan. I heard. <laughs> it's true. It's definitely a must see when it comes to haunted places. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the history. Yep. Well, uh, I got one to finish this off here. Love it. That I know well because I've been. You guys, I love Pennsylvania. Did you know? I did not know. I did not. I felt like I took a whole tour around that state one summer with my fam bam. And it was so joyous. And it is so spooktacular because it has everything old. You know? All the old. Which is fantastic. Um, But I remember, like, Philadelphia was one of the spookiest places ever. And we went to this little place called the City Tavern to dine. And it's apparently haunted. Wow. Got quite a backstory. But I have to say, not only did we go to the City Tavern, if y'all ever go to Philadelphia... You should go there, but also there's this alleyway called Elfrith's Alley, and it's the oldest still-occupied street in the U.S. Whoa. And it is super cool, and it's, like, right around there, and I just highly recommend go to both. It's super fun. But City Tavern, this place was built, y'all, in 1773. It had five levels that included a kitchen, a bar room, two coffee rooms, three dining rooms, a ballroom, five lodging rooms, and servants' quarters. What like did they have? A hot spot at the town. Mm-hmm. And this is in 1773. And if you know about your American history, there was a lot of hot characters hanging around Philadelphia in this time. Oh, yeah. That was the time to be there. It heckin' was the time to be there. They had that old Liberty Bell. You know, (laughs) all the boys were gathering to, to, you know, make America happen. But uh, John Adams, he visited here a lot. And he uh, loved it. What? He loved it. He did. A lot of the, uh, you know, the Congress boys, they they loved gathering there. And when he arrived for the Continental Congress, John Adams, um, he he had to stick around the city tavern because, you know, that's where they would go back to when they were in their little meeting to discuss 
how to like make the constitution and change the <laughs> articles of confederation. And they were like, listen, dudes, we got to talk this out. We got to work on it. And then they would get all tired and sweaty and hot. And they were like, I need a beer. And wow. so they would take off to the city tavern. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So this was the spot. I'm not kidding y'all. Yeah. Paul Revere. The founding uh, fathers. The founding fathers, Paul Revere announced to the locals here at the city tavern that the British the, were coming? The, no. no. <laughs> that the port of Boston, the, the, about the closing of the port of Boston. He announced it at the city tavern. Damn. So I shit know. went down here. Yeah. And also, did you know that Paul Revere did not say the British were coming? I do know. Okay. I do know. It's That's a, big... a strong fact. And there, but he did like yelling while on horseback. Yes. Yeah. That was, I mean, <laughs> who doesn't? Same, exactly, exactly. So it it was, <laughs> guys, this place kicked off. It became like the unofficial meeting place for the delegates of the Continental Congress. And it was used as a house of prisoners during the, during the Revolutionary War. Hmm. And yeah, and George, George Washington used some of it as his headquarters. Sick. During the war. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff, y'all. But it, it eventually, with the times, you know, after they after they signed their papers, you know, they were like, <laughs> like let's go to New York or something. So the place kind of fell into disrepair. Uh, and but in eighteen thirty four, a fire happened. Oh Stop my it. god! Let me tell you guys about this fire because it's a crazy fire. And one of our main, yeah, (laughs) our main ghosts comes from this fire. Wow. So, yeah, 1834, there was a a party, a wedding party at the city tavern, apparently. I, you know, everybody might have to look this up because I don't know if this is documented information, but it's in, like, all the little stories I pulled up for Haunted City Tavern. So let's go with it, right? Yeah. There was a wedding party. We don't care about facts. We don't care. We don't know. You know? This was a long time ago. Who knows? (laughs) So there was a wedding party, right? And the brides, the bridal party was upstairs at the city tavern. They were getting ready, getting their dresses on. You know, everybody was excited. They didn't realize a candle had tipped. Curtain caught on fire. Yeah. Mm -mm. Apparently the whole days. Yeah, I know. You know. The whole room just ca- that just took up in flames. My like, it's kind of like, well, maybe this was a like an oil lamp. Did they have them in eighteen? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I feel like that would really catch. Yeah, yeah? that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So the whole place took up in flames. The groom's party was downstairs. They re- they tried uh, they tried to rescue, but no, the bride she perished in the fire. Uh, so did some bride. of the bridal party. And then were there no windows? Jump out of? Well, I think they're on the second floor. I would jump out. <laughs> okay. I'd take a broken leg over a, a, a burning to death. Well, it's <laughs> apparently the room just was engulfed in flames, like right away. No way out. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like if it was an oil lamp, shit could have gone up pretty quick. Especially right? like with all that linen everywhere, everywhere that they liked, you know, they had a yeah. curtain on every rod. Uh huh. It was flammable. <laughs> yes. 
Exactly. They didn't know about flame retardant fabric. They didn't. They, they just did said, not. And their they dresses, said, let it burn. those hoop skirts would just catch, catch oh, like, you know, and the, <laughs> yes. you're done. Pants on fire, mama. Right. They used to write about it in their diaries. <laughs> they did. They did. Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's where it came from was actually uh, this this wedding. This wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, terrible thing. But it. It also pretty much destroyed the city tavern, which no. was sad. And it ended up needing to be demolished in 1854. <laughs> I know. But in 1946, the land which the tavern was on became a national historic park. And then it, it was the town, They, it, with a concerted effort, they were like, let's recreate the original city tavern. And they oh, did yeah. a beautiful job, you guys. They completely rebuilt the tavern in 1976 for its bicentennial celebration. And it was done so true to its original design that many say even the spirits that were formerly there continue to thrive today. Ooh. That's how, that's how tight they made it. They were like, replicate back to back, <laughs> you know? I love that. And when I was there, you know, they... They really have it looking like the old times, but they also dress in the old <gasps> garments. There's costumes. Yes. I love a themed restaurant. I love a themed restaurant. It's so great, y'all. But uh, so, you're right. You want to get in the food. Let me tell you, it's delicious. They got a lobster pot pie one would die for. You, you love know? lobster. Love it. People died for it. So go for the dining and the whole theme and everything, but then there's ghosts. So the bride's still there. It just gets better. The bride is still freaking there. She, she, she likes to stay like on the second floor. So a lot of people will say that they see her when they walk by the building and she'll be staring Mm -hmm. out the window. And I called my mom earlier today to be like, yo, did we get haunted in Philadelphia? And she said, maybe because she was scared by some of the old windows of the buildings we would pass. Like she would see oh. things in them. Uh, like, maybe uh, you saw something in the city tavern, girl. Maybe, maybe you know. saw that bride. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So the bride, she likes to be in the window. Um, but then like, she can also be just her app. She's seen in her wedding dress. And so her apparition is floating around and, and, and people catch a glimpse of her long train crossing Ooh. the room. Do you think they're like, is that Marilyn? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But, well, Monique Lulier. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who designed back then, you know? But then there's another ghost, the waiter, who Ooh. met his untimely demise in a duel in 1790. Uh, what? Yeah. what was the waiter dueling over? Dude, 1790s were rough times. Yeah, there were a <laughs> lot know? more duels back then. Right. So his bloody apparition can sometimes be seen falling to the ground. In the tavern, and then he disappears. Can you imagine that? A residual haunting. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to see that. I just look up from my pot pie, and there's this bloody man falling to the ground. Not 
Uh, not appetizing. Mm-hmm. No. Not one star on Yelp for that. I know. Absolutely. But he's also blamed for being a little bit of a trickster. He likes Ooh. to move table settings around and glitter clatter silverware. Glitter clatter. Glitter <laughs> <laughs> He's a rattler, y'all. He's a glitter. Uh, so, he is a rattler of the glitter clatter. So definitely go to the city tavern for the Popeye, the bride, the waiter, and the costumes. And the rattle of your clitter clatter. Yeah. And then take your butt, go down the street. Because we took a carriage ride over here. So maybe take a carriage ride to Elfris Alley and check that out. Some old ass cobblestone that your lucky butt is going to be glad to not be on because they did the street right. And they put a little thing for the for the for the carriages, so you yeah. don't have to go over the cobblestone. Emily good, was good. looking like a founding father in Philadelphia. I did. Like. <laughs> yep, that's what I did a full tour, you know, with my well, wig. It's Damn. like all in or nothing. That's what I say, man. You know, yeah, yeah. you know it's right. That's what she says as she puts on her powdered wig. Mm-hmm. I was about to say a powdered <laughs> wig. All or nothing, baby. Honestly, that yeah. was such an iconic look. It really was. Bring it back. What? I'm waiting for that shit to come back. Why we ever stopped? Who knows? I oh, don't. I know. I know why. Oh. Uh, Aside from the depression making it difficult to pay for. But <laughs> American Girl Dolls. I had Samantha. Uh-huh. And I read all of her books. Or actually, you know what? I said- this may have been from Fel- Felicity. Felicity. But my mom... My mom yeah. still talks about this to this day because we were like dying in my room when I was like seven. We were reading this, but the 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 glue, the, the adhesive that they would use to put to keep the wigs on their head had this like it was made up of some like lard or some type of fat, and at <sighs> night rats would come into the room and like feast on the lard, and like oh my people would wake up and God. They would have rats kicking out their heads. And then there was the black fever. And they were like, <laughs> never again. They were like, N-. it's just so hot. These fucking rats. Ugh. Honestly, though, Felicity's look is iconic. Oh, I the blue want dress. Her dress. That <laughs> is that not my style? It is. I Should I find the photo of. I, I was spoiled on Christmas and I got the life size dress. Oh, no. You yes. have to oh find that photo. Texting so, mom now. You must. <laughs> my mom knew that I like went through phases with toys kind of quickly, so she never bought me mm. the American Girl dolls. <laughs> but every time I would get that catalog, I would circle literally everything in yes. it. Everything. And I'd be like, <laughs> I would give it to her and tell her, like, I want the stuff I circled. And she's like, you circled literally everything (laughs) oh no every single item is circled but um you know what honestly i'm it's probably for the best that she never got me one my best friend had every single one and she had all of the little furniture and stuff oh jeez. so i got i got to play with them but then i I was kind of pissed because when i was in high school we were at my best friend's house and my little sisters were there with us i couldn't tell you why And her mom had been going through all of their old stuff and was like, do you girls want all of these American girl dolls? 
So my sisters Dang. got all of my best friends American Girl dolls. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, I would have fucking taken those. <laughs> wow. No, it's probably anyway. for the best, you know. Never forget. Because I uh, forget. I got the one. I got the one that they made look, look like, like you. you. Oh, and you man. know that just fucked my ego over for the rest of my life. So yeah, yeah. I was like, I am. I am it. You Honestly, know, our, I am a doll. Yeah, you are a doll, though, Emily. You do look like no, it wasn't good. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't need that. You know. <laughs> I feel like our experiences with American Girl dolls have shaped us. They have who we are today. I, it's I explains so a lot. It mm-hmm. honestly, like those books, were very informative. I love them. they were so good. <laughs> but since my mom wouldn't let me have an American Girl doll at the time, there were these dolls that kind of looked like American Girl doll, but the brand was Alyssa doll. Oh, oh my God, girl, yeah. look at yeah. that! So I got a redheaded Alyssa doll. Perfect. Let's see. That's she was what we want. she was pretty cute, but she I don't think she had the little gap tooth like American Girl dolls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing it right now. I'm laughing. They're so cute. They've just got like they've all got a slight gap tooth. Yeah, but she yeah. could have drawn one with the sharpie. It's fine. It's true. Yeah. Some white out. Yeah. Um, give her veneers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's Some little girl was like, I don't like this. That would be me. I'm like, no. she needs mascara. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids. I'm, I'm, uh, I think I'm off to dream about American Girl dolls since I slept for a whole hour and a half last night. And Same. there's literally something scratching from somewhere. I don't know if you guys hear that, but there is a creature. Mm. And I'm scared. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm calling the fucking cops. Let us know. Yeah. All right. Be careful. <sighs> Until next time. Stay spooky. Ooh. Ooh.